Yes, hi. I am calling this number because I saw it on a bathroom wall. Um, seeing if you're Brandy. I'm Brandy Lucas, and this is Brandy is Going to Hell. My taste in music is all over the shop, and it's the driving force behind this show. I will be bringing you music updates and chats with artists that you won't hear anywhere else. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. one of the ones that tried to convince him like hey maybe you should try actually singing yeah so i tried out singing in a band and then from there i got an offer from our friend a gig at the viper room so i went okay i don't really have a band right now jack i've known forever is my bassist like my you know adopted brother (laughs) i was like hey do you want to be in a band and i had met jack in a recording class and i had recorded mikey's previous band we ended up jamming out a couple songs and rest is history from there (laughs) It worked like magic. I'm Brandy Lucas, and that was Mikey, Jack, and Dietrich of Orange County's rock trio, Desert of Talking Shadows. In this episode, the band talks about their debut album, Foreshadowing, released earlier this year. Their successes and milestones with their 2018 single, Crucify, and What's to Come. Greetings, Earthlings. Thanks for hitting play to support my podcasting dreams. I'm so grateful that you tuned in so I can take you on this musical journey. If you're new here, I interview artists big and small. And before every interview, I talk about five new albums by artists big and small that I dig. This is episode 23, my 10th episode of 2021. Ow, ow, ow. I'm pretty stoked about that. I'm pumped to have Orange County, California's rock trio, Desert of Talking Shadows, on the show. If you heard my episode last week, I highlight their debut album, Foreshadowing, on my new music highlights. Here it is again. Desert of Talking Shadows released their debut album, Foreshadowing, this past March. This young trio from Orange County, California is dope. They're like all of your favorite 90s alt-rock and hard-rock bands had some sexy time and birthed a child 30 years later. The riffs melt your face, and Mikey's vocals throughout the record are so impressive. And guess what? You can hear my interview with them July 7th. So dive into foreshadowing by Desert of Talking Shadows in the meantime. Check out Desert of Talking Shadows on socials and give them a follow at Desert of Talking Shadows while I dive into new albums that I dig. You can listen along to all the music I reference on my show via two five-star playlists that I created just for you. Brandy is going to hell, new music I dig, and... Brandy is going to hell, my dope guests. You can find these playlists on Spotify by searching Brandy Lucas Airy or on my website, brandyisgoingtohell.com. But before I jump into all these albums I dig, I wanted to say I watched This Is Pop on Netflix. It's an eight episode series covering pop music throughout the decades via informative themes and groupings. And I freaking loved that series. I watched it in two days. It was really good. (laughs) 
Some of the groupings of the episodes are festivals, auto-tune, Britpop, boys to men influencing all boy bands, the Brill Building, and more. Next, I plan to watch Summer of Soul. I've been really really diving into music documentaries again and I love it. I just love absorbing information about music. Anyway, let's jump into it. Five new releases that I dig. East London's Snapped Ankles released their third album, Forest of Your Problems, last week. They're odd ones, but I'm here for the ride. They claim to be forest folk descended from the trees. When you look at their outfits and mask combos, you'll understand what that means. Anyway, this album has a lot of post-punk, prog, and psych rock influences, and it's a rad listen. Check it out. Another album out the 2nd of July by an English band is Maximum Sorrow by Desperate Journalist. The band is a fun combo of Joy Division, Susie and the Banshees, and more. Joe Bevan's lyrics are sassy, and the music makes you dance. Highly recommend. Clearly, I have an affinity for music that comes out of London. I swear that I just go down the list of new albums released. (laughs) Anyway, next up is London MC Montaner The Menace with his sophomore album, Anyone Home. This is a great rap record, and throughout it, Montaner touches on suicide, mental health, and parenthood, in addition to his trademark sense of humor. You want a guitar record? You got one delivered to you from Earl Slick. With his first solo album, Fistful of Devils, Earl Slick was David Bowie's guitarist during the height of his career in the 70s. This album has a retro feel and nods to some of the blues greats. Possum released their second album, Lunar Gardens, which is a psychic exploration with groove, jazz, and other pops of cosmic riffs along the way. It's truly a trippy journey, and I highly recommend taking it. And now, for the main attraction, all of the fellas in Desert of Talking Shadows. I'm so happy for their milestones so far as a band, and I'm so happy they got foreshadowing out in the world. They're a young band with ambition, and I can feel that they have so much more in store for their future. Here we go. We got Mikey, Jack, and Dietrich of Desert of Talking Shadows on Brandy is Going to Hell. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hello. It's How are good. you? Nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too. <laughs> Great to meet you. Yeah, we're excited. Thanks for getting all together and doing this. And yes, your no new problem. album rules. So I'm excited to jump into it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, we you appreciate it. that a lot. So full house today, and this is super exciting. And since you're all here, can you please introduce yourselves for everybody in podcast land, your name and your role in the band? I'm Jack Thomas. I'm the bass player, backup vocal sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> the magic voice. <laughs> um, I'm Mikey. I play uh, guitar and, and sing. And I'm Dietrich. I'm the drummer and also backup vocalist. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so we're obviously here to dive into your debut album, Foreshadowing, uh, which was released this past March 12th. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before jumping into it, I'd really like to go on a linear journey up to its release. So okay. you're a fairly new band, and you've all had a lot of exciting successes and milestones since Crucify was released. 
So how was Desert of Talking Shadows formed and how do you all know each other? How far back do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> the um, beginning. <laughs> no, no, uh, yeah, me and Jack, it's been almost like six, seven years, I think. Um, seven years. Yeah, we, we used to have a couple other bands back in the day, even though we're, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're still, you know, new. Uh, but uh, yeah, a couple other bands that led into this one. I was in a band that I wasn't playing guitar. I started as a guitarist. Um, and then I had gotten an offer to sing, which is something everybody kind of told me to try because the backup vocals are like, oh, you kind of have a voice. Yeah, like, I, was, I was one of the ones that tried to convince him, like, hey, maybe you should try actually singing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we. Uh, Wise decision. I, <laughs> Wise yeah, choice. Well, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, yeah. So I tried out singing in a band, and then from there, I don't. I never wanted to play and sing. At the same time, I just wanted to either play guitar or just sing, and then I guess pushed into doing both because whatever you don't want to do is kind of like you know, here, try this. And so I finally accepted it, and I got an offer from our friend uh, Jared James Nichols. He's a guitarist. Um, from wisconsin he moved here and i met him and, and uh he offered us a, a gig at the viper room so i went okay i don't really have a band right now but i'm teaching myself how to play and sing and jack i've known forever is my bassist like my my you know adopted brother <laughs> and so i hit him up uh we hit up our original guitarist who i saw at like a drive-through i had jammed with him before i was like hey do you want to be in a band <laughs> And then Dietrich, we had another drummer for a week. And why don't you tell us? So, yeah. <laughs> so my previous band before here, uh, we were a Grateful Dead cover band. So we had two oh, drummers. Wow. And so the other drummer from that band, uh, these guys knew already. So they started jamming together. He didn't want to commit to the first gig from the band. And I had met Jack in a, a previous recording class because uh, we, were, we were in college classes oh, together. Yeah. Uh, so I knew Jack and I had recorded Mikey's previous band before uh, in the class. So I knew them, but they they'd never heard band. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but they had never heard me play, but they knew I played. So the other drummer uh, didn't want to commit to the gig. So he recommended me to him. And then Mikey hit me up that day and we ended up jamming out a couple songs and rest is history from there. <laughs> Yeah, wow. yeah it, worked, it worked like magic. That's yeah. all you can really say about it. Was the name yeah. magic too? Did you yeah. throw that yeah, together quick, or did you thoughtfully um, think about so it? <laughs> a little, a little bit both. Uh, so what happened was like gearing up for the gig. Uh, Jared had said, um, and like I said, we've never played the Viper Room either, so it's kind of cool and exciting. We're like, we need a really cool name, so. <laughs> I was sitting down. I love pie. So I was at three uh, <laughs> calendars scratching down names. And I'm thinking, I, I think I got down to like five of them. I showed them a couple, didn't like it. And then I finally came up with two. It was like Desert of Mercy and then the Talking Shadows. And our original drummer was like, why don't we combine the two? <laughs> so we combined the two. It was like Desert of the Talking Shadows. And I was like, let's take out the the. And let's just do dots. It was Desert of Talking Shadows. Yeah, and then when Dietrich joined... And we wrote a couple songs just for the gig, and um, it all came together pretty nice. Like the band, the name, and the first gig came together like that's awesome. So Do you remember what the uh, first few songs of your career as a band 
were for that uh, specific show. Yeah, and it's funny because we make jokes. Uh, one of his, <laughs> it's called uh, Vigilante. And okay. to me, it, I didn't like the song. Like we were just kind of writing songs to, to play basically. Um, and I remember bringing that one in and, and after we scrapped it ever since then, he always brings it up in practice. He's like, oh, why don't we play the best song we've ever written? Vigilante, he starts playing the drum beat. Um, but so we never play it anymore. Yeah, we don't play it anymore. <laughs> but I believe it was that one. Uh, we played Crucify and we played another one that we haven't released yet. It's for down the line. It's called Howling at the Moon that a lot of people like. And then a couple others. Um, Maybe even waiting to die. Maybe I don't think. No, don't we, think uh, we had apology adjust masquerade. <laughs> yeah, we had all these crazy <laughs> dead fruit. Dead yeah, fruit dead was fruit in was in there. Dead fruit. That, oh, uh, dude, we were called dead fruit the first time we played too. Oh, at that the was whiskey. The whiskey. Yeah, yeah, at the whiskey. Yeah, the first time we played the whiskey. <laughs> yeah, so we they, the they, whiskey. they got confused. They thought our band name was Dead Fruit, even though that was just their the only single we had out at the moment. Oh, that's mm -hmm. funny. It must be so cool to uh, grow up in the L.A. music scene. Um, I mean, I grew up going to the Philly, like, and you know, diving into the Philly music scene because that's where I grew up and went to local shows. So that's cool. It's really like a, a different beast out in L.A. So that must have been awesome to be a part of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. nice to be so close. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So back onto Crucify, this song was featured in the March 2019 issue of Classic Rock Magazine in both the cover CD and as well as a write-up in the issue, and that's super exciting. So Thank what you. led up to that moment after the song's release? Uh, you know, is there touring, radio play, et cetera? Do you want to, like, throw it all out there? Yeah, so I believe when we put it out, we had – and that was our first music video, too, so we had uh, – Hung out with our, our friend, a friend of mine I met through other mutual friends. He works with a band called Badflower. His name's Jordan Wolfbauer. And uh, he's a good friend of ours now. He did that video in like, I think it was four to five hours. It's like the quickest video we've, <laughs> we've ever worked on. Um, we basically went into this abandoned house and trashed everything. And, yeah, uh, I was going to ask, whose house did you fuck up? Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we was, don't know. It was a random house. It was, it was somewhere out in the desert in California City. Okay. Yeah, don't know who owned it or anything. Had, I don't think anybody did at the time. No, but. he had taken us there and said, basically, these are abandoned. Um, I like your idea to like trash the place. Let's do it and not like fall, you know, get hurt, uh, basically. <laughs> and then, you know, later in the day, Jordan, same guy who said that, fell through the actual floor, um, <laughs> which thankfully he was okay, but he like literally is walking with his equipment. And just fell through a hole. Yeah, the wood was but, pretty deteriorated at yeah, that point. And it was like a movie scene. But um <laughs> back to back to your question. Uh so we I believe it was also the first time we got on the radio. Um, there's a guy named Mark uh Sovel or Mr. Shovel on KLOS. And I had met him through some other friends at uh actually I was backstage at like the Eagles of Death Metal show and he was there and um I met him and said hi, and then a year later, I saw him again at another show, and I gave him our CD. I said, "Would you please play this on your um, locals only show?" You know, and uh, and it was super cool because that was, like you said, it was the first one we put that in the in the um, classic rock magazine, and it was like radio play on KLOS in our hometown, 
which is really difficult for like a young man to do with no no management label yeah. booking agent nothing and um go from there to now like it's everybody's favorite song we play it we play it last on almost every show yep um which we like to when we play sets we like to switch it up every time we never play the same set but the one thing that stays the same is that song so far has been last so until we have a new like like you know crucify that's <laughs> that was such a fun night shoot so we went to in and out yeah we went we, to the internet and we listened to the first song that we could hear on the radio of ourselves yeah and you know what it was super bowl sunday too i remember <laughs> that yeah it was. yeah it was super bowl sunday and we all got in the car and ate burgers and listened to it it was pretty fun yeah that's awesome <laughs> so basically a lot of you know playing local was very helpful in that song success and also handing the the cd over to your friend at the radio so that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah so obviously the pandemic put a damper on a lot of you know bands touring plans for releases and whatever but however i wanted to highlight a few things you kicked off 2020 at the nam show repping yeah. gibson guitars mm -hmm. uh with a set at their booth which is awesome in itself so that's sweet Thank and you. um between crucify's success and releasing foreshadowing you released a lot of one-off tracks which some appeared on foreshadowing and some didn't mm -hmm. Going to now fast forward to foreshadowing. Uh, it was written, produced, and mixed by ourselves, which is really cool. So I commend you for that. That's great. And nice. you've mentioned you. on Instagram that um, foreshadowing is intended as your bleach or facelift album. Yes. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. We got so better stuff coming out, but it's still a good album. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, what did you just say? I said we have better stuff coming oh. out, but it's still a great album. Word. So that's why we compare it to Bleach. You know, if you compare yeah, Bleach to Nevermind, you know, fantastic what I mean? we to go debut albums by fantastic bands. And um, I kind of wanted to ask what this release means to you metaphorically as a band, since you compared it to such classics of other bands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank um Well, yeah, for us, we a big part of it was the fact that we did it ourselves. Like Dietrich mixed the entire album. Uh, it's funny cause we we're known for like being very diligent in our work in around the scene as far as, you know, recording and writing and all that stuff. So we actually had an engineer. We went up to East West, we recorded it. Um, and then the engineer quit cause it's a lot of work for him. And he was like, I can't keep up with you guys. So Dietrich was like, okay, I'm going to remix the entire album. He remixed it um and we basically were like okay because at that point also our guitarist had quit and we had just finished the, the music video and so we had gone okay what do we want this to be do we want to still put it out because it's been a year and it's been like these are the songs we want to you know show first because um well we came to the conclusion that it's because we have so many albums we've written that haven't come out and we want this one to kind of just show this is where we were in what was it like uh early 2020 or like late 2019 yeah was uh when it was kind of getting finished uh tracking and we were like this is what we can do now we want to put it out to you know maybe get um some interest in whatever like a booking agent or something and get a little help on that side and just show hey this guy kicks ass with the fucking drums 
He's one of the best fucking bass players. I can sing and play guitar. Let's fucking put some songs together that show melody and show stuff that other bands don't do nowadays. They kind of like cater to the radio and they're like, let me put some autotune on this and put the drums all aligned like this. And that's not us. It's like, I like Nirvana and Alice in Chains because they went in and said, okay, we have to play this live. Really, really great. Um, you know, by extension, all the old classic rock bands that never, there was never any auto tune or studio, crazy studio effects. You know, we kind of just wanted to emulate that, just mm. yeah, like the raw sounds of what we sound like instead of, hey, let's record this and then, you know, put all these effects over it that yeah. are going to change the way we actually sound. Yeah. Yeah. Like the words right out of my mouth as far as the word raw is concerned. It's a very like transparent raw sick as fuck album so yeah <laughs> thank, you. thank you thank you yeah and, and metaphorically um it would mean like here's what we've got for you to show that we don't mind putting out songs that are raw like that just to show that we're going to progress throughout our career rather than putting out because we have songs that are like more that could make the radio and do all that stuff and and we can make it all polished and put it into you know this nice little box and we don't want to do that because it's like you know, we have our whole career to put out great songs and, mm. and things that we care about. Just like this, we cared about this album. Um, but we want to do it right at the right time when we feel like, hey, maybe my style of playing is really good on this part for this particular time in our... So, like, for example, Queens of the Stone Age, they started very, like, I mean, you would know probably better. Pretty raw with regular... Or just this, the... Um, what's it called? The self-titled album yeah. yeah and then they moved on to songs for the deaf which was like a lot more uh i should say in the middle of their career a lot more like brash and heavy but with the nice guitar lines and the, the harmonies and all these additions throughout their career where now when you hit villains it's like a lot more dancey so like that's what we want to do or shout basically they had a strong sense of progression okay like they got better and better yeah, with everything that they did nice yeah and, and what would you say you're foreshadowing your your growth as a band or what what was yeah. in your mind when you picked that title yeah so like with that album it's very much like like we said it's a couple of guitar tracks that are really raw tones like probably use the same guitar for most of the tracks and then the drums it was i mean each one of them were live takes and they were like some of the first takes in that session of each one Dietrich doesn't like, fuck up all, almost yeah. all of those tracks were done on the same day um all, all in one recording session. So we just tried to take our live performance of that and just show people what we what we can do. Um, and it's foreshadowing is its own piece of where we were when we recorded that in 2019. And it's just showing people what we're capable of uh, in the future. Yeah. Yeah, like the progression would be on the next record, which we're currently making. There's going to be a lot more vocal harmony stacks. There's going to be a lot more like dual guitar kind of intricacies in certain parts and then a, a little bit of different um sway to like the the way that the rhythms go and just stuff like that where we don't want to sound, sound like the same band all the time you know but Basically, it's all still us a lot more harmony and attention to detail next album will be different but that's kind of what we're striving for i think right yeah yeah i'd say so cool yeah, you basically answered my next question because you uh, did put out into the universe, you know, about October 2019. You said this is where you were, you know, when you were making mm -hmm. it. And um, you answered it, how you think you've grown since then and what will influence the next record. So it sounds like it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a lot of stuff in the can already or 
Yeah. 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 We can send you, uh, send you some rough demos. (laughs) Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. If you like, we're, we're, we do want to announce we are going to release on July 9th. We're going to release two tracks that are like punk tracks we did in the garage. Um, same kind of attitude of the first record, but they're kind of, they're songs that we didn't get a chance to put in the studio. And I think one of them we wrote after anyway. We just thought people enjoyed the record. We put out a bonus track after that. And we're like, let's put these out and then we'll probably wait for the next release for a while um, yeah. while we're finishing it up in the in the actual studio. <laughs> yeah, so that makes sense. And it's great because now that, you know, live music's back and kicking, for the most part, it seems like, you know, it's pretty cool to see it all happening in different parts of America and the world. You have this whole album to play, which, you know, sounds like you've played most of it up until this point. But now yeah. it's actually like this is our album and people can take it home with them and it'll be really exciting and rewarding. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're stoked. Yeah. So I kind of want to talk about Cold Hard Floor, um, which had a music video come out in the beginning of the year for it. The letter in the mailbox said, Sam, life is full of difficult tests. You are stronger than you realize. You will come out of this a better man. Um, better tests than you do so. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very chilling video, especially if you know anyone who struggles with addiction personally. It captures the feelings in the storyline and the way it's shot. So Sam's the character in the music video. Is it based off of anyone in real life? Is it like some kind of thing you were capturing in the moment of writing it? At the time, it was based just on fiction, but then it kind of was weird because it imitated life a couple months later, uh, at least for me, uh, sitting around and thinking. It did for me, too. Yeah, and because we were all just like, damn, we can't play our instruments live for people, which is how we give joy. You know, we receive and also give joy. Uh, So we were like, you know, drinking a lot and being like, well, this sucks. (laughs) But um but obviously, like the like the note says in there, it's like everything that's bad ever, that ever happens, I believe, has a purpose to make you stronger and uh, take you into positivity and growth, uh, you know, throughout your life. And personally, for our music, it helped a lot because, like, after that video um, was finished and we released it, and everybody, everybody was digging it, it really uh, sparked some new some new music that was like, dang, maybe we should not go in that direction necessarily because all this new stuff doesn't sound as like i guess uh like the, with the clean guitars and then that kind of like style of that song but the lyrical poignancy has up you know upped its game like that song and some other like topics of relatability to uh, i guess uh being human yeah. <laughs> so it was for you know on foreshadowing and it was foreshadowing i guess the you know, how you felt and everything, too, in the long run. But that's, yeah, it's a great, um, it was filmed really cool. Can you want to, do you want to talk a little bit about the way it was filmed? Because I know you mentioned that there was some inspo for that. Yeah, yeah. So we, again, filmed that with our friend Jordan, who filmed Crucify for us. Um, did it in a couple of days. Great guy. And <laughs> so Mikey is, has been getting into a lot of different films. So he, he'd pick and choose kind of little scenes of different movies uh, with different effects and kind of how scenes were shot. And we tried to emulate that. Um, So we have a couple movie influences from there um, in the terms of how we kind of tell the story with that. And we, we toyed around with kind of how we wanted the story to go. Um, There was maybe 
10, 11 different versions of how we wanted it to go. And then we filmed it and then it turned into something completely different. Yeah. Um, something that we didn't even think of at the start. And it just came out better than we could have thought. A lot of scenes um, that we filmed that never got put into there as well. But yeah. it, that's it's for the better. I think the music video turned out perfectly. Yeah, it was great. I loved all the different scenes too, like the overhead and the pool and everything. And yeah, it was pretty, oh. it was pretty sick. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. yeah those were fun. Uh, it's funny because like, I think that one was the last second, the pool shots, because we were like, we need band shots that kind of look really cool. And my pool in the backyard, we had to drain it because it was summer and disgusting. So we drained it and I kept telling my dad, please leave it drained for like two more days. We're going to shoot a video. And he's like, okay, okay. So we just throw all our stuff in there. And a funny thing I thought would be worth mentioning is when we did Crucify, we did a straight up, it was like a playthrough at normal speed. This one was like, doubles double time so basically instead of so the whole point of the double time (laughs) i was like all quick the whole point of the double time was so they could slow it down and it would look yeah slow-mo a lot cooler you know yeah but having us play that song twice as fast was not an easy thing (laughs) yeah yeah it was ridiculous it was like detroit like it it, it sounded ridiculous it felt ridiculous but it looks so good on camera yeah (laughs) Yeah. Nice. And for your album Foreshadowing, um, because you're such a, a new band and, uh, you know, I interview everybody on my show between big and small just because I love highlighting cool artists and their stories. If somebody's listening to your band for the first time and you, they obviously go to Foreshadowing, what is a song each of you would pick to be like, you got to start with this one? And you can all have different answers, but you got first, I don't know. if I'm telling a first listener to start, I would probably say thunder. Okay. Um, but my personal favorite on it is the worst. Um, so anybody who knows the band, I would tell them to listen to that first. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. For newcomer thunder or, um, or probably cold art floor. That's like the, like the ease into it. Cause we have other songs that are heavier, bigger riffs, but, um, yeah, I think a lot of people like those ones, and that's why we kind of, I think Color Floor was the last single because of that reason. We were like, let's give them something that maybe a first-timer would be totally into. I would say Cold Heart Floor as well. It's just... Yeah, it's a strong uh, track. It's a beautifully written song and something that I think the majority of people that we show it to would like, you know, even non-rock listeners. Nice. And... I want to talk about the bonus track for a minute. It's like completely different than like everything (laughs) on the record. Where was your head at with that one? And why didn't it make? That's your story. (laughs) I was pretty pissed off at that time. Uh, (laughs) So um, I had this pizza job and it sucked. And uh, (laughs) basically everything was going wrong. Like we said in quarantine, drinking a lot. Um, you know, sitting here in this pizza shop, we just got quit on by our engineer. Um, and so just everything sucked. And I was like, you know what? I'm listening to a lot of Outkast. And I really like the kinds of flows. And I always would practice stuff like that. And so in the pizza shop one day, I was like, you know what? We have this riff that we came up with, the little... Verse riff. Yeah, the verse riff. Actually, you know, we came up with the chorus riff first. And I was like... We? Yeah, we came up with the chorus riff in the room, and I immediately thought this is gonna be a sick song because it's a little different. The little dun 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 dun, dun 
And I thought it was very like highly suspect. And I like that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, what can we do with this? Well, we don't want to make it like normal, you know? So, um, sometimes I'll write bass parts. Most of the time it's him, but sometimes I'll write bass parts. And I picked up a bass and I was like, Jack, play this fat groove. Well, and I always hate it when he tells me to write or play bass parts, but they're always good. And that makes me hate them more. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it turned out pretty good. I try to give him the best parts in the band. That's like, <laughs> he's got the baddest grooves, basically. Um, and so I kept that thing in my head and I just, at the pizza shop without, because I didn't want to take out my phone, I have like dough on my hands. I had to like, I wanted to challenge myself of writing a rap in my head, memorable enough to be like, to where I could do it on stage. Because I suck at lyrics, like as far as memorizing live. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this and we're going to play this, I have to remember it. it has to be, first of all, I wanted it to kind of be funny in certain spots. Like I mentioned, I think it's like Cartman, uh, one of the episodes where <laughs> his mom, where she wouldn't give him the, Toshiba, South Park. yeah, the South Park, the Toshiba yeah. handybook. Uh, so there's some stupid lines in there that I just thought were great, and um, yeah, I sat in that shop and you know flipped the dough and wrote it, brought it in, and they were like, at first they were like, "Are you sure about this?" I was like, "Trust me, it's gonna be great." Oh, yeah, we thought it was dumb at first. <laughs> yeah, because we're not used to doing like, I guess, Rage Against the Machine type stuff, like yeah. like the rap with the rock. Yeah, and um. We played it. We didn't know what people would expect. Everybody loves that song live. And so we're like, okay, let's do it for the album. It's about what was going on during the album. So that's why it's the bonus track. It didn't make the album just because it was like in the same sense of the bleach and the facelift stuff. I wanted that to be very like, these are, this is a rock album that's very much centered around that kind of raw, like grunge, hard rock, metal, whatever, all that stuff. A little soft rock in there and then you're out. You know, it's a story. And then this song was kind of like, okay, now let's have fun. Throw it as the bonus track and just say whatever you want. And people seem to like it. And we're like, oh, that's a nice response. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> cool. Know? It, th- it definitely threw me off guard because, I mean, when I listen to you, I, you know, my listening process is, okay, the top 10 tracks on Spotify, then the most recent album all the way through, whatever, and then when that i listened to that bonus track i was like whoa okay wait a minute here but no it's cool it's like it just really goes to show like what you guys can do you're a powerhouse you guys have a lot going on and you're all very talented so it was cool thank you thank you you're welcome i appreciate that glad you enjoyed it yeah you've got some new things coming and is there anything else that you want to talk about as far as the band goes, some cool story you might want to tell about yourself so people can get to know you a little bit more because I've pretty much covered, I think, everything that I need to drain out of you for foreshadowing and your journey <laughs> yeah. up until that point. So, You've been very else? thorough. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, I mean, we're primarily, as much as we love the studio, we love the live shows. So, I mean, if you haven't seen our band live, uh, to anyone that's listening, come out and see us. Come say hi uh we basically do everything under the sun from you know uh unreleased music released music stuff that we usually don't do covers though we we did throw in one last show is uh thin lizzy uh boys are back in town we just put that on youtube if you want to check that out um so yeah we we mostly just have the new songs coming out july 9th uh it's gonna be called uh not so complicated b-sides from the garage (laughs) and they're like you know basically two three chord punk songs 
that are super fun. We're going to play those live. So um, I think by the time this comes out, July 22nd will be the next show in the Wayfair and uh, in Costa Mesa. And then after that, we'll announce on our social medias and stuff. Great. So, Very cool. Yeah. And then any like stories or anything? like, oh, do you want to tell the I'm drunk story? No. <laughs> That's That'd be kind of good. That'd be kind of funny. Okay. Well, you guys have to tell it then. I'm not going to talk about myself. Like <laughs> <laughs> so here's a good story to to talk you about. You want a story. How far back we go. So I, I want Dietrich to tell it. Yeah. You want to tell it? All right. So was it, was it our first Vegas gig? believe it, yes it was, yeah, it was. so, it so was. the first time we played in vegas uh mikey had a couple groupies that he knew uh that came, came to our our there first nice show at, at, be careful be careful this one. <laughs> uh, there were nice girls let's not just describe them as groupies yeah they're nice they're cool but so so we played at uh the rio hotel in vegas and so so we played there we had a fun show and then we went back to their place just to hang out drink a little bit and we just start being rowdy the whole night through me and mikey are playing on their electronic drums and guitar and just, yeah, just they... making noise we're hearing the neighbors bang their broom up onto their ceiling because we're being so loud they're pissed at um, us and jack's jack is jack's just dr- drinking a whole bottle of jameson to himself we hear a crash in the bathroom and we're like you good he finally walks out just i'm drank and That's then passes out the yeah. rest of the night <laughs> Yeah, we never saw him. I didn't see him again. And then we had to Uber back to the hotel in the morning, and I couldn't even get him out of bed. Like, he was, or on the couch, I guess, he's just, like, knocked out. I'm like, Jack. Because he's supposed to be, you know, he's, like, the older one of us, you know? <laughs> and, like, me and Dietrich were the ones, you know, staying up all night. Uh, you know, Or I guess by older, I mean, like, the the one that can hang a lot more with the, you know, the alcohol or whatnot. But then he comes out of the bathroom and is like, I'm drank, passes out. We can't wake him up in the morning. And it's like, we gotta go back to California, dude. Like, do you wanna be like, do you wanna stay here? Like, what's up? And uh, we like to, as much as we like to be professional in the music and stuff, we like to enjoy each other's company. Like, yeah, yeah. we never drink or do any drugs or anything, especially during our performances and our practice and whatever. You know what I mean? That was their night to have fun. Yeah, yeah we were celebrating the first one of They were the single Work ones. Work hard, play hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wasn't the single one at the time, so I was like, I'm just going to drink this night. <laughs> but I really overestimated how much I could handle. Oh, yeah. I have a video of him <laughs> where one of the girls knew how to play piano, so she's playing piano, and we're all singing Bohemian Rhapsody. And, oh, <laughs> yeah, we're all doing, like, the, the normal <laughs> melody, and in the background, it's just Jack sitting there like this. <laughs> like, trying to do, like a like, some kind of falsetto harmony I and, was, hey listen i was doing my best yeah I was doing his best at the time. but um but yeah basically i think that that was a fun time in, in vegas and That's, we love those places like vegas arizona we're going to arizona on Ari- uh august. august 13th so we'll cool. be there nice yeah at the yucca tap room great that's definitely probably your best rock and roll story though <laughs> <laughs> yeah not anything too wild but yeah, well, it sounds oh, like man. you got a lot of great things ahead, so I'm sure you will build upon that story. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, it's one of them next time. <laughs> Doubt it. <laughs> so, do you just want to let everybody know where they can follow you and the best way to support you? Yes. Um, Instagram, Desert of Talking Shadows. Twitter, Desert of TS. 
uh, Facebook Desert of Talking Shadows. Uh, what else do we have? We got YouTube. We have a YouTube. YouTube. The YouTube, we love the YouTube because, like, yeah, they're just really nice on there. And mm-hmm. they're, they're always saying hi. So YouTube just Desert of Talking Shadows as well. Bandcamp, uh, if you want to grab the album, like, CD form, Bandcamp. Uh, or shirts. Or shirts. Yeah, we're making new shirt designs soon, so that'll be that'll be fun. And, uh, yeah, all that stuff, Desert of Talking Shadows, basically. Thankfully, no one else has the name. So. Yeah, <laughs> so, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> So in my interviews with artists, I always have like a rapid fire question. Sometimes it's silly. Sometimes it's random. Sometimes it's all over the place. So uh, I'm ready to move to that portion if you're ready to. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Do your worst. All right. <laughs> I'll start easy on you. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you visit and why? Somewhere in Australia, probably East Australia. The land down under just sounds really fun. <laughs> um i, I want to fight every song. animal that uh that lives in that country yeah. or na- <laughs> continent <laughs> i'd say ireland because i've always wanted to go and uh it just looks really nice out there i started looking up the food and the sightseeing and everything and like i said earlier i love thin lizzie so i kind of want to see some of the spots and the statue and so i'd say ireland wherever i can see the northern lights Okay. Probably Alaska, but there's other places. It's one thing that's on my bucket list. Very cool. That yeah, that would be amazing to see. I've wanted to see those as well. (laughs) If you were a transformer, what vehicle would you turn into? It's a good one. Hmm. Probably a Corvette. I always thought Corvettes were underrated. Okay. Maybe a twenty eight nineteen. (laughs) Always liked those. Probably a moped for me. (laughs) Just keep it simple. Be versatile. <laughs> and you? Probably a plane. That way I could fly anywhere. <laughs> you know. Fair. Fair enough. Uh, like a yeah. jet or something. <laughs> if your hands were frozen in one position or gesture, what position would you want them stuck in? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, he would specifically do that. Just so that every time I band practice. <laughs> No, I'd probably keep my hands straight so I can at least play bongos. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, Sensible. yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, and that's all I've got for you guys. And there you have it, homies. Desert of Talking Shadows. If you're in Cali, go check them out. They're playing live shows. They're announcing them. And you should totally be there and support them because they fucking rule. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. In my brain, I have this ultimate dream of growing a community of people who love exploring rock music and all music in an unconventional way. If you listen because you're a friend of Desert of Talking Shadows, hopefully you'll stick around and check out past episodes of Brandy is Going to Hell and discover someone else. There's loads of different artists on the show. I've got big ones. I've got small ones. I've got girls. I've got boys. I've got everybody in between. I love celebrating awesome artists, their stories, and providing fun interviews with them for you. I'm going to go enjoy my summer and I will return in September with more episodes. Until then, I will leave you with a random thought. Fall down seven times, get up eight. Life sucks. Shit happens. And you can cry about it or you can face your problems head on. All you got to do is get up. 
from it. You can do it. Thank you. Yes, you for listening to Brandy is going to hell. I have a lot more thank yous in order for making this show come alive. I want to thank Celeste Giuliano for her amazing pinup photography. I dreamed of having my photographs taken by her in order to make my podcasting dreams come to life. So thank you, Celeste, and your team for making me look like a hot mama. Thanks to Crystal Rugel for her design direction for my new logo. Spent many nights texting her late. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And she was such a great resource. Shout out and many thanks to Ryan Hanratty at Frosted Green Productions for all video production. My man, definitely don't want to be fucking with video and you've saved my life. My amazing husband, Mike Airy, for always believing in me and bridging the gap between me and amazing artists. I love you and you're my rock. St. Neat's hardcore band Impact for the music throughout the show. You can check out their EP Strength Through Loyalty on every streaming service. My friend Gooch, a.k.a. Ryan Nelson, for always asking me, when's a new show coming out? My friend Matt Young, who got my foot into the door as an intern at Indigoot, which led me to my first career in music at Q Prime. So a major shout out goes to Doug O'Swandle as well for giving me a chance and hiring me there. My dad, John Lucas, for raising me with an impeccable taste in music. And my mom, Beth Ann Lucas, for helping me be a functional adult with good credit. Last but not least, Brandy is Going to Hell is dedicated to my badass grandmom, Elizabeth Betty Fowler. (laughs) 